Hey, what's up, everybody? We are Run the Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with another, hopefully, great review. <laughs> They're all great. What do you mean, hopefully? Oh. What is this? <laughs> what? Um, what you talking about? I feel like we were all pretty scared while we were watching this movie. So I'm not even sure that begins to describe my emotions regarding this film. <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, we're carrying on. With um, we kind of did our best picks from 2018. That's what we're working through here. Terry picked Annihilation. Yeah, and me and Fox picked Hereditary. The dual pick. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of the background and score info on Hereditary. It is directed by Ari Aster on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an 89% tomato meter, so that's guaranteed fresh. It has a 63% audience score. On IMDb, it has a 7.3 out of 10 and an 87 Metascore. It's got pretty high reviews, um, critic reviews for a horror movie. Yeah, that's always a good sign, because usually most horror movies get kind of the bad rap from critics. Right. So it's nice to see one that uh, is really getting some good reviews from them. Just a quick synopsis. Um, I'll just read the IMDb here. After the family matriarch passes away, which is the, the grandma, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. And that begins to unravel dark secrets. Oh, deep dark secrets. Now, this is one of the first ones we did for this podcast, right? As far as uh, reviews? Yeah, it was in our family movie category. That never aired. Oh, it never aired. Okay. The not-so-family-friendly films. We were still trying to figure things out then. We have talked about it before. The unreleased tapes. Ooh, maybe someday they'll be released, but... (laughs) (laughs) Don't get your hopes. (laughs) (laughs) So this is actually um, me, Terry, and Fox's third time seeing this movie. Oh, my. So we've seen it quite a few times. But I want to know what you thought, Dan. Oh, (laughs) Well, it scared the crap out of me, that's for sure. (laughs) But it's really, really good, too. I'd heard everybody say this is the scariest movie since The Exorcist or whatever in the marketing, and then a lot of other people backed that up, too. And then you guys are all telling me, you got to watch Hereditary. It's so scary, and it's good. And so I was going in there fully expecting to be scared half to death but i wasn't expecting it to be so good at the same time like i think this is probably the best shot horror film i've ever seen yeah it looks really good i think so many like interesting shots coming from the ceiling doing upside down weird angles stuff like that very creative yeah and i I think the reason it is so good is that it focuses mostly on like family drama rather than horror and like the terrible things these people are going through in real life. And then it kind of just slowly sprinkles in horror stuff throughout until it reaches like a climax of the outer layer of horror that has been building this whole time, I guess. Definitely, yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's mostly a drama as opposed to a horror film. I really think if you like this movie, you should watch it two times. Because the first time, you're really picking up all the drama and um, waiting for some scary, tense stuff. But the second time you watch it through, I'm just going to say spoilers, uh, you can see all the stuff that comes up and builds up to the end. 
that you missed the first time. Yeah, I'd say if you're ever planning on watching this, we're probably going to spoil it. So, And I would definitely say if you haven't seen it, you don't want this one spoiled. Yeah, I think there's some interesting twists and turns. So beware. Honestly, uh, I think the second time I watched this movie was the scariest for me. Really? So it's basically, you know what it's building up to the second time, and you can see how much work that this like cult has put into putting the symbols down and planning out how they're going to kill this family to bring payment into Peter's body. And it's it's pretty freaky to me because I think last time when we talked about this, Terry, I think you said it's basically watching like lambs being led to the slaughter. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how in the classroom they're talking about what's worse, failing of your own accord or failing because it was fated to be. And it's like watching a family that's like never had a chance to begin with get led down this dark path. You take most scary movies these days, a bunch of people will probably die, but somebody is going to make it out alive. You know, they're going to overcome and beat the demon, something, whatever. And this one, None of them make it out, and you know they're all going to die, and it's just, uh, the second time you watch it, it's super tense, because you know that they're all going to die, nobody's going to make it out, and you can pick up on how much work they've gone into completely kill off everyone in this family to summon up payment. Yeah, I, I, I got to ask, Dan, did you, uh, did you like, even suspect, like, what was going on? Because, like, when I saw this, I was just like, what? the hell when we got to the end. Yeah, I did suspect what was going on, actually. I wasn't surprised about it being a cult or whatever and them trying to summon a demon. That didn't surprise me, really. That didn't detract from the movie any either, now that I say it, because it clues you in pretty well, I think, because at the especially at the start, first 10 minutes or whatever... The mom goes into the rooms looking through her grandmother's stuff and pulls out that book on spiritualism, looks at the note that her mom left her, and it's like, oh, um, says something or other, and then like the sacrifices will be worth it for the reward at the end. And then you see, or she sees the ghostly apparition of the grandmother. And right from there, I had suspicions that, okay, she was part of some cult, I'm guessing. Kind of that funeral at the very start of the movie. They didn't know half of the people there. So that was another clue. And then the triangle being drawn on stuff like the sacred geometry things in the house everywhere and then all the latin and hebrew writings on the wall it's sprinkled in there pretty well that for me it, it didn't surprise me that it was a cult thing at all really is how they got to the end where they successfully summoned the demon all the stuff leading up to that is what kind of surprised me i was expecting the little girl charlie to be like the big creepy little girl that you see in a lot of horror movies but nope she dies in the first like 30 minutes of the film it's stuff like that it, that subverts your expectations for a horror movie that surprised me a lot so see when i first saw i thought it was going to be about psychosis and how like you know mental illnesses are passed throughout generations it's kind of terrifying how in your genes it's written that you're going to have this disease in your life and there's really nothing you can do to stop it but it turns out 
It's just a different thing that you can't do anything to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of cult. I just thought of something too. Like how I was saying you should watch the second time. You know when she goes to that therapy session, the group therapy, and she's talking about her brother and how his, her brother killed himself. See, you don't think anything about that except, oh man, they had a messed up family until after you watch it the first time, then you're like, oh, the mom was trying to put payment in the brother yep. <laughs> and he didn't like it. <laughs> so he killed himself. You know, you just pick up on all these things, you know, the second time you watch it through. Yeah, there's so many hints. I guess I, uh, you know, I, I was kind of with TV where I thought it was going to be like about mental illness and the genetics involved. But then when we finally got to like, it's definitely a cult, I didn't like expect I don't want to say authenticity of it, but it felt a lot more real than a lot of cult demon horror movies do. You know, it wasn't some grand, crazy demon in the like ancient church. I mean, it was just this like little group of people with some kind of shoddily built altars and symbols doing what seemed like a real cult might do. When we were watching it the first time, I honestly didn't know where it was going to go because I watched one trailer and I thought that they were going to try and put the dead grandma back into the little girl. And then we're watching it and it got to the like the seance scene and I was like, really, are they doing this? Every (laughs) horror movie does this. And then it like just went all over the place. It's definitely not what you're expecting going into it at all. Just from seeing like the trailers and even watching the start of the film, because I was kind of where Terry was too, where I thought from the title and then like their family history of mental illness, I thought that was going to have more of an effect on it too. I was thinking that they were going to do the whole set it up kind of like Shutter Island where it could be one thing or it could be the other. Like maybe they are actually summoning the demon or uh, maybe it's just the main character going crazy because of all the mental illness that runs in her family. So that's what I thought they were going to do. I was only half correct with what they were going to do, but um, it does throw you for a loop for sure. Yeah, they definitely go all in on the demon thing, I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I I mean, I can appreciate that. There's not a lot of room for doubt at the end of what just happened. I will say I'm still not sure if Payman is actually in Peter or not. I I feel like the look in his eyes, he's just kind of like, oh God, like what is going on? But it could also be, you know, Payman thinking the same thing, I guess, because he's like, oh, I'm in here now. To me, the look in his eyes was kind of like dead eyed, like traumatized. (laughs) I think Payman is in him because they put Payman in Charlie and that's why she was so messed up because Payman wanted to be in a male's body and they're at the end like the last thing peter slash payman does is he does the the tongue click he's like oh does he do that yeah he does oh okay yeah i guess i missed the tongue clicker oh yeah i would agree with you well peter dies too when he jumps out the window of the attic doesn't he die I thought he was dead when he hit the ground or whatever, like broke his neck or something. And then the demon was controlling his body because he was finally like dead and he could enter it. I mean, I think that's the moment that Peter lost control. I don't know if it's because he died. 
it might just be that yeah, his soul left. I think at that point also, um, we've kind of talked about in the past the how the whole ritual has to play out. And at that point, the his mother is dead, kind of completing the whole transfer ritual, which might also have let payment into him. I don't know much about rituals and summoning demons, so <laughs> I can't comment much on when it would have gotten into him or whatever, but we can speculate. Yeah, because I think we see like the little light hit him after he falls out the window, and that's when Payman takes hold, I guess. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'd forgotten about the little light that was flying around throughout the film, but yeah, yeah, I, that's what I think happened. Something I like so much about this movie is all the characters in it feel so real, and they're so developed, and you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. And they're just going through these awful situations, you know, and it's just like gut punch after gut punch to them. Social awkwardness is so scary. (laughs) (laughs) But they just feel so real because this is, like you said, a drama movie for the most part. And then it has horror elements on top of it. It's a, a family drama about, you know, a family that may have been able to come together and get stronger, but no, they break apart. And, well, there's also forces that are breaking them apart. But they do it to themselves, too. There's definitely a lot of things they do that, yeah, The uh, <laughs> I don't think the cult necessarily planned on. I mean, like, um, you know, when Charlie the little girl dies, you know, nothing made Peter not tell his parents and just let the mom find the body the next day. I mean, he made that decision of his own accord. That's true. He was probably not really feeling like talking at that moment, I would guess. But Yeah, no joke. But he's also probably like stoned out of his mind. That doesn't help either. I would definitely say watch out on this one if you've like had any mental illness in your family or experienced yourself. This one hits pretty close to home. It's a pretty accurate depiction, I think, whereas a lot of horror films uh, kind of just do the worst of. You know, there's kind of two sides to the coin with mental illness and families, and there's good moments and bad moments, and this has both. Is there really any good moments after that, though? After that, I don't know, but prior to, I don't know. It seems like sometimes they kind of like enjoy each other or at least function as a family i don't know maybe at the very very beginning they're functioning but i don't think they really like each other much still i think uh and this is just my opinion and theory i think their dad i don't think he's um at least peter's real father i think that's his stepdad i just like the way he reacts to the kids and talks to him i don't know i I feel like he might maybe even charlie might not be her biological father either yeah i mean it is kind of open-ended there i guess yeah they don't specify i could see it i do like the dad he's just trying his best you know (laughs) i like that guy he's just (laughs) he's just trying to stay keep things positive he wants everybody to come together and just be normal but (laughs) unfortunately he cannot hold them together I think all the characters, yeah, the acting in this movie, I think is just really, really good. Oh my goodness. Especially the mom. Tony Collette is amazing. She does such a good job. I was telling uh, my fiance, for me, some of the scariest parts in the movie were just her reactions to things. Like the number one one that's going to stick with me from this movie is when she's having the dream and has the ants in the bed or whatever and then she follows them to peter's room and then just her expression she makes in that scene i've like never seen anybody portray pure terror as well as she did in that scene and it freaked me out bad she 
I think should get an Oscar for her acting in this movie because holy crap. When a facial expression alone can scare the crap out of me without me seeing something freaky, that's that's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah. She has that scene when uh, Charlie dies, and it's like storming outside, it's lightning, thunder, and she's like hunched over on the floor just wailing, and uh, the dad's trying to comfort her, and Peter's just kind of standing lurking out in the hallway listening not saying anything that scene too that was pretty powerful i thought yeah i mean i don't think most dramas or tragedies can even have that degree of like painfulness to watch it's rough to watch because i just had like this tense feeling in my gut you know like every time i watch this movie throughout the whole movie like scary stuff isn't happening the whole time but it's still tense and unnerving to watch you know you're on the edge of your seat the whole movie, <laughs> pretty much. I think it's been equally as scary all three times I've seen it. I I think I like don't sleep for like a week each time. Yeah, I didn't sleep well. I watched it yesterday, and I didn't sleep well last night. So <laughs> you always be checking the the top corners of your your room. <laughs> oh, geez, something lurking around up there, waiting to hear the tongue click. <laughs> Something I like, too, is we, we talked a little bit about the shots. I think it's interesting, this whole, I, I don't know if you want to call it a subtext or what you want to call it, of the, the dollhouse. Because the mom is a miniature, you know, she creates these miniature scenes. But we get backstory through these scenes of stuff that's going on. Like the grandma standing outside the room watching them sleep. The grandma, you know, um, wasn't there one of her breastfeeding Charlie? Yeah, because she mentions to Charlie, like, your grandma wanted to take care of you and wouldn't let me. Isn't that crazy? We get this backstory, and I think you can take it as far as um, it's like a layer, because you get to see this small scene going on, and we get to see the scene going on in the movie, if if that makes sense. You know, it's we're kind of watching the same thing, just characters in this miniature scene well I, I heard a theory that like with the ending scene there's that pans out to a miniature of that like it's just a retelling of kind of like a show put on for people saying like this is how payment came to be and that's kind of just like a history of how he joined in the world and like oh god because at the <laughs> end there's all those chants and there's so many voices and there's not that many people in the cabin is that just a big room full of people looking at this final like painting or miniature thing or whatever and they're just like so happy about it i don't know that's a cool idea Jeez, tv you just made my hair stand on end good lord <laughs> see i think that's what i was getting at but not in the same way yeah it's creepy when you think about it you know and then you watch it again and you pick up on more things in those those subtexts and in those little miniatures so when i was watching this i thought that the miniatures would play a bigger role in the film. I think that I probably got that from watching the trailer. In reality, it's just they're just pretty much symbolism. They give you some backstory and then they symbolize like the lack of control that the family has during this whole incident. I don't know if it's a criticism per se, because I don't really know what they would do to make it work more in the movie but that, that was just something I'm, i thought was interesting was it just purely served symbolism and then occasionally backstory yeah i, I think this movie uh 
kind of as a whole doesn't necessarily break the uh, kind of common demon horror film, but I think it takes a lot of little molds and reshapes all of them, kind of like the dollhouse thing. I mean, um, The Awakening has a similar kind of gimmick where like she walks around the creepy whatever it is, boarding school, and finds like a dollhouse that like plays out scenes like a ghost standing behind her in the room, which I thought this was going to do as well, but it uses it much more effectively for storytelling. I guess I do have one complaint this time. Like, it didn't really bother me the first two times, but I do feel like they just didn't know how to get rid of the dad, so they just like, "Ah, I guess we'll just burn him because she threw the book in there. Like, it doesn't feel like it makes much sense in terms of but it's going on. I don't know. It feels cheap to me compared to everybody else. That is the one kind of like weird moment uh, in death in this film, I think. I guess I feel like he's just the burnt offering, you know? He doesn't really mean anything. They just got to burn something. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like the way like it's just kind of, like, eh, here we go. Like there's not really a big thing about it. I don't, everybody else gets a pretty <laughs> heavy death and he just kind of, oh, he's going to just randomly burn because of the book. That's not how it worked before, but that's how it works now. Okay. I think, you know, um, you're, uh, you're, you're lambs to the slaughter analogy. I think the dad kind of is the lamb out of everybody. You know, the other three family members are like involved, although unknowingly, in the whole plot. And he's just like totally innocent, you know? He's, he's the lamb. He doesn't know what's going on. He's not involved. And you gotta, whatever. There's like a thing in ritualism where you gotta burn something innocent animal sacrifice well i don't know maybe they could have had like some of the cult members burning him outside or i don't know it feels too random to me like here oh there's the book we saw tony collette burn because of it but now it's him just because i think it can maybe you know symbolize the lack of control she has on the situation like she tries to take matters into her own hands after she realizes you know hey this has gone too far when she tries to throw it in herself the dad just lights up. So maybe it symbolizes that she can do nothing to change her situation because immediately after that, she gets like possessed or something weird happens to her. That could be. I think you're right, Mike, on what it symbolizes. Though I do, I see where you're coming from, Terry, and I agree with you on that. His death feels unearned. Whereas the rest of the deaths do feel earned because they're justified in the story and everything. I think both Fox and Mike's points are correct regarding the symbolism of him dying or being burnt. But it just doesn't feel like it was earned like all the other deaths do. He did just marry into this problem. Like he's not associated with this at all. He's not the only one like literally related to it still. Eh, could be better, I think. Just that part. Just one little nitpick. It didn't like ruin it or anything for me. Just something that I was like, well, this time it just doesn't feel quite right with me. I felt the same way about it too. One thing I wanted to touch on is the actual filmmaking itself in this movie because it's pretty unique compared to most other horror films that you'll see coming out in modern times anyways. And it was super effective too, at least in scaring me. (laughs) Like the two things this film does that really gets under my skin is it has a scary image, but it doesn't build it up at all. For example, when the mom gets possessed it cuts to Peter sleeping in his bed, 
then he wakes up and he sits up and the um, camera pulls back to get the shot of him in the room. And then just up in the corner of the room is his mom just hanging on the ceiling or whatever. It doesn't do any big spooky noise to startle you. It doesn't build it up. It just shows you this really creepy thing and basically just doesn't address it at all. That you do not see at all in any other horror movies, as far as the ones I've seen anyways. Them not addressing it kind of made it more scary, I think, because you're not a, you're not expecting it. And then you're looking and you're like, holy crap, is that what I'm seeing or is it is it not? Because that happens with um, Peter again after Charlie dies. There's a part where he wakes up and you think you see her sitting on a chair or something in the corner, but you can't really tell. And the scene doesn't stay there long enough for you to get a clear picture. And you're like, all right, am I losing my mind or did I actually see something there? And it's really effective, a really neat and a really scary way to do those types of things. The other thing it did too that really got me good and was really cool was the family members will be doing something. I think one that happens early on is um, the mom is with Charlie, I think it is, and putting her to bed or whatever, talking to her. And then she's just sitting there and then she looks up and you see her facial expression change like she's looking at something that startles her and it just lingers on that for a while before it actually shows you what she's looking at and it does that multiple times in the film with all the characters pretty much for different things and at least for me that was better than any jump scare because seeing their reaction for me I was like holy crap what are they seeing that is giving them that much fear and terror that it just builds it up so much better than if they just like had the character turn around and something's just standing there and they play a loud sound effect or something. Yeah, I, that's my favorite part about this movie is the lack of jump scares. I I hate jump scares. I do not enjoy them at all. But when a movie can scare me so much without having to do that, that's when I know it's really good. And yeah, there's only a few that I can think of like off the top of my head that actually do something like this. And they're always like my favorite horror movies to watch. Ari Aster is on record saying that he wanted scares that were emotionally justified for this movie. And he didn't want to rely on, you know, the traditional or jump scared. So that's why a lot of people were comparing this movie to like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, those kind of like classic horror movies, because those don't rely on jump scares all the time. They're more of like an emotional drama story that has horror elements, and that's what this movie is. Yeah, but even comparing it to those two, the way the film is shot, and just the sequence of getting to the scary images is different than, like, say, The Exorcist. I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, so I'm, I don't know. But The Exorcist, it doesn't really showcase the people's emotions as much before they see the scary thing. It's usually, all right, here's the girl's head twisting around complete 360 projectile vomiting and then it shows the reaction to that it doesn't show like the reaction 
to the thing and then the actual scary thing itself. And it makes it scarier that way, I think. It might be part the actors like being so good because, like I said earlier, Tony Collette is a master of showing terror in her facial expressions. So it's like, what is she seeing that is eliciting that reaction from her? Because her reaction is terrifying just to look at. So it's like, what could she be seeing that's getting her to look that way? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love the scares in this movie a lot because everything feels justified. Yeah, there's no cats jumping out of the darkness and scaring you or uh-huh. someone like coming around the corner and like touching them on the elbow and be like, hey, how's it going? And nothing <laughs> like that. It's all real scary stuff. The reason other horror movies rely on that is because like their story's not great, their characters aren't great, you know, so they have to get something to make you jump to get that emotion of fear, to get your heart pounding. This movie, I think it's a masterpiece because it gets that from you without doing that. It's got great story, great characters, and it's just terrifying to watch what happens to these characters. I 100% agree. This guy, this is debut film, and he's already a master of the horror genre. I don't know what he could do to be better than this film. Yeah, I'm curious to see what he's going to do next. Yes, I'm very curious. I think he's he's already got another movie that's supposed to be coming out this year. It's called Midsomar, and the description's about like a young girl who goes on uh, reluctantly goes on a trip with her boyfriend, and things start going bad. Ah, you know, yep, you go with the boyfriend. It's actually like a cult, and they're trying to put a demon in you. It's ooh, what if we got like an anthology of all the demon kings? I doubt it. I bet it'll be different. So his other movie. Um, strange thing about the Johnsons or whatever. I haven't seen it. I wanted to watch it, but I didn't get around to it. And that's a very family weird relationship movie. <laughs> relationship. That's one way to say it, I guess. I think that's where this guy is, you know, he's hit his genres, these weird relationship family things, you know, dramas. And I, I, I'm probably going to watch this other movie tonight, not going to lie. I don't think it's nearly as good as Hereditary, but I, they didn't have as much time to like flesh it out either, I don't think. I kind of feel like it's what it would be if you tried to condense Hereditary into like 30 minutes. I mean, if you stripped out all of the buildup and intense shots. It's a weird movie either way. Ugh. It is very weird. Kudos to him for broaching such a... For being unique. Yeah, I don't even know what kind of topic to call that. Taboo, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think taboo is strong enough, but... <laughs> no. mm, you guys got anything else you want to say about this one? Should we do some overall presentation? I got one more thing, if you guys don't mind. Oh, of course not. I've been thinking about this film and other horror films that I really like or really enjoyed... And the only one in recent memories that's come out that I thought was actually a really, really good one was Sinister. I've been thinking and comparing the two in my mind, and to me, this one feels like kind of like Sinister, but next level Sinister. Because Sinister has the same basic plot where it's focused on a dysfunctional family and kind of the things they're going through. Sinister's focus more on the father and him trying to deal with the stress of writing his new book and try and 
find an actual story that works for him. And then his family members kind of pay the price because of all of that. And that's the central conflict of the film. And then the horror aspects are kind of built on top of that. But Sinister relies more on jump scares. It has a few pretty well-earned, I guess you call them the slow build-up psychological scares, but that one relies more on jump scares, whereas Hereditary, it doesn't rely on the jump scares, and it it feels it's a much better film because of it. What do you guys think? Because I I think we all really liked Sinister when it came out. Yeah, I think the movie I would compare it to, and I bring this movie up as often as I can, but uh, The Babadook, it's also kind of a dysfunctional family about a mother and her son doesn't really rely on jump scares and it's kind of more about like family issues and kind of the horror like the horror goes in w- with what they're dealing with emotionally I think I I haven't seen it yet <laughs> You haven't seen the Babadook yet? Oh man. No, I haven't. They're they're very much in the same vein. I won't name any names, but one host in this room yelped as the Babadook it was, was a moan. Thank you. I I heard that. Oh. I remember hearing it. <laughs> I'll say, you know, I w- the Babadook was what I considered to be the scariest film I had ever seen up until Hereditary, and Hereditary takes the cake by by pretty far. I mean, it, it takes the cake and runs with it, in my opinion there. so When I compare the two, like, yeah, Sinister's scary, but it's like subpar compared to this by quite a ways, I think. Of all the other aspects that build up Hereditary, like the story is great, the characters are great, you know, there's so much layers to this movie. The acting, everything in it, I think, is great and builds up to this high-quality, you know, movie. You look back at Sinister, which is good and creepy, but I'm like, you know, it doesn't even exist in the same, you know, category, I think, as Hereditary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I just thought it was interesting because, yeah, like what you said, it just, it's the next level, essentially. Sinister's trying to do what Hereditary does, but Hereditary's the master and Sinister's like the just starting out apprentice. <laughs> yeah, the college movie. Yeah, and, and Sinister scared the crap out of me, so... Oh. It's the difference between Masterpiece and Pretty Good. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's the key, because we all like Sinister, but yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's a clear distinction. Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. It feels to me like all the best horror films focus on the family drama first and then the big scares second. Yeah, I think when the when the characters are the priority, I think that's what makes most good horror movies really good. Yeah, story first, scares second. Looking at you, Jason Blum. Not to call anyone out. <laughs> I feel like all of his movies are like, how many haunted house scares can I put in a movie? Oh, hell, you! I have to put a story in? There, there has to be a story underneath the scares? What? That is Jason Blum's tactic. Let's just put a demon in it. Oh, God. I'm so tired of demons. Thank God Hereditary did a cool demon because, man. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant by like the... Uh authenticity isn't the right world, but I guess more of just the the realism of this movie was the demon is so, I don't know, if there ever was a real demon, (laughs) it could be this one. (laughs) All right, are we doing overall now? Yes. Our our rating scale goes from lowest to highest with burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it, in that order. Now we will choose, what will it be? We round it out at the end. Ooh. Ooh. You can probably guess what I'm going to 
pick here. Um, this was my probably favorite movie of last year. That's what I picked for it. And uh, like we've said throughout, this movie is just, I think it's a masterpiece of horror because everything in it is solid. It feels justified. It's the scariest movie I've seen in a long time. Like, I love scary movies. I've seen a lot of them, but... I don't think I've ever seen a movie that kind of stuck with me the way this one did. And I think it's worth, you know, multiple watches to pick up on more stuff that you missed. I got to give it a buy it. I think it's a masterpiece of horror. Yeah, you know, with uh, I think everything Mad Mike said is on the nose. This movie is so freaking cool. I mean... I personally, I'm fascinated with demonology and pagan rituals, and this movie, I mean, captures it so well. If you go buy a lesser key of Solomon, he's in there, and you can try to summon payment if you really want to do that. I think this is kind of one of those instances where um, our rating scale is weird, but... Um, How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I, I never want to watch this movie, like, anymore. It's so scary. <laughs> But that said, it's definitely worth multiple viewings. You know, maybe if I could just do it like once every five years or something, <laughs> I got to give it a buy it. You know, I mean, I hate to have it in my house where I have to see it and think about it all the time. Maybe if you can buy it and like put it in a box or something, like a really fancy ornate carved chest, you know, <laughs> buy this one and hide it from sight and watch it every five years because it's so freaking cool. Yeah, I really like this movie as well. Um, it's super scary. This is really like the kind of horror movie I enjoy without the jump scares. I mean, there's maybe a few, but nothing that feels cheap. It's just so intense. It focuses on the characters and the horror stuff is sprinkled in just right. I did have a, a nitpick with the dad dying. It feels kind of cheap, but besides that, everything is amazing in this, so I'm going to give it a buy it as well. It's definitely one of the best horror movies out there that you could watch. So... I have a love-hate relationship with horror movies. It's no surprise to our co-hosts here, but I'm I'm a little wuss when it comes to horror films. I get scared super easy. Like, even <laughs> a, a jump scare, just a little lame one will get me good. That in mind, it's it's... I don't watch horror movies as often because of that. I just get really scared really easily, but I love watching horror movies at the same time because the subject matter is so much different from every other movie out there, really. The really good horror movies end up being really good movies in general, too, and I love seeing really good movies. So this one is a really good movie, and it's a really good horror film. The Acting is superb. Some of the best out of any movie from last year or any movie, <laughs> any horror movie I've seen in forever, really. The story's solid. All the scares are built up really well and they're all earned and justified emotionally. There's like two jump scares that are just like noises. There's nothing popping out at you. It's super creepy. The music, we didn't get a chance to touch on that, but the music is disturbing to say the least. And it really accentuates everything in the film. I'd say, well, so Sinister was the movie that has scared me the most. 
Like you can ask Mike, we saw it in the theaters. He'd look over and he'd see me using my hand to cover my face. And I'm just peeking out between my fingers when we were watching it. And there's, there's still parts of that movie I will not watch to this day because it scared me so bad. And it's my favorite straight up horror film. I proudly own it and it's in my collection, but I think that has been upset by hereditary yes hereditary is now the scariest film i've ever seen and is the best horror film i have ever seen i do not know how it will be topped or if it ever will be topped so i am also going to give this a buy it ah how about that who would i guess it's like the only way to top this is to like have a movie that does a satanic ritual and actually summons a demon in your living room. Oh, God. I don't know how else to get scarier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this is my favorite horror movie, but it's definitely like in my top five, so. That's fair. Scariest, for sure. Favorite, uh, I don't know. I tend to prefer slashers myself to just straight-on horror movies. Like, the original Halloween's my favorite slasher film. I categorize them differently because this is a straight on horror film so is like sinister and um the exorcist and things like that but um yeah for straight on just a horror film and not a slasher hereditary is now my favorite horror film and i think it's the best one yes so what's that four buy it we all bought it well we all said we would buy it Given the opportunity. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. So uh, you got to pick for next week, Dan, for your favorite of 2018. So I'm going to pick Infinity War. Ooh, I do like Infinity War. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah, I thought so. So we've been picking our favorites of 2018. You can let us know what your favorites of 2018 were by emailing us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know what you think. Please, God, email us. We're so lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Please, I see cobwebs in our mailbox. Come on. Somebody talk to us. (laughs) Anybody. I'm so sick of these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Uh, This is Run The Real, signing off. (laughs) 